Uh, I was up at a friends of ours place up at Gloucester and uh, we were staying in their spare room and it was cold enough to, I remember I slept with a blanket on my head. So it was one of those cold nights. Um, and I remember waking up uh, early-ish and, um, and just seeing this really, really clear picture. So I don't want to use, I don't like using the word vision because that's kind of spooky word, but let's just, let's just say that it was very, very sharp. And, um, it was of this, it was of this room and, uh, the room was, was, was really sparse. So very minimalist, I guess, um, <laughs> to the extent of being sparse. Uh, and it had, um, a single, uh, light bulb sort of hanging, incandescent light, light bulb hanging down from the ceiling. And, uh, it had one of those, a table that looks like it's got those, you know, kind of butcher's block sort of table sort of things. And then had a little chopping block. Uh, chopping board on that table and there was an onion and a knife and it was all a bit sparse and a bit gloomy and uh, and so I'm looking at this thing and I was like, mm, that's interesting and then God spoke to me and said, this is your inner life oh right and uh, so I looked at it and I, was like, and I, started, I started looking at this and I was like doesn't look very inviting <laughs> so <laughs> kind of um you know empty and um unwelcoming and boring and uh and I, I started I started sort of zoning in on that that chopping board and the knife and the and the onion I thought hmm why is that there and uh, if you know one of the things that God called me to do very early on in my walk with him was uh, from that from that verse in John where he says to Peter, "Feed my sheep." Uh, so that's what that's one of the things that God called me with. What, that's and uh, so sort of tee those things up and say, "Oh, okay." So this is the place where I come to prepare food for other people. And uh, yeah, so I, and I started to started to so that that kind of helped me. That pitch that part of the picture kind of helped me as well. That's what I've been doing, isn't it, God? The only reason that I've been spending any sort of time with you was to get things that I could then give away to others. Other than that, I'd spent... The space had become very utilitarian. It had become a means to an end, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and so I started, I started just to kind of repent and say sorry to God for that. And as I did that, he started dropping in furniture into the room, which was kind of cool. So, there was this, so the next thing I saw was like this big, really comfy yellow armchair was dropped in. And, uh, and God just showed me, hey, this could actually be a place of conversation. This could be a place where you kind of hang out, where we just kind of do relationship. And, uh, and God spoke to me and he said, you know, there's nothing more that I want for you than a rich relationship with me. And at that time, that was, that was early, that was kind of, that was pre-church planning and I'd been all thinking about ministry and, you know, and all the things and what am I going to do, do for God and how am I going to be fruitful and yada, yada, yada. And God just cracks into this and he's like, no, 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 no. There's nothing more that I want for you than a rich relationship with me. 
anyway, he started to, he started to drop more things in and I won't, I won't go through all the, all the, all the things that he dropped into that room. But after he'd been in that room, um, with me, he, he transformed it into a place you'd want to be. And, um, he kind of, he kind of just rejigged me, um, and realigned again, how my heart had just wandered away from what actually mattered. And so, you know, New Year's are a, New Year's often a time where people sort of stop. I know this one was a really weird New Year's, so it's all felt a bit blurish to me. It hasn't, it hasn't had that kind of, okay, it's a new year. It's just been kind of a more mush than not. But New Year's is often a time where people stop and reflect and go, okay, what, what am I going to do this year? What's this going to be about? Um, and as, as we, as you, um, I mean, this, this is a pretty, pretty wise little crew, I think, cause I looked at those results with that, with that poll and it's like, ah, oh, no, this is not a, this is not a group that's given to making stupid new year's resolutions. <laughs> However, apparently a lot of the population is cause gyms know this, right? Gyms know that this is the time of year where people feel guilty about whatever they've eaten over Christmas. And then, and they also know that this is the time where people make bold and stupid new year's resolutions right i'm going to go for the go to the gym every single day for the, for the whole year right and so the gyms can kind of dangle you know in, incentivize people with sign up for 12 months and and they know that hey this person's only going to go for two max <laughs> they probably only go for three weeks and they're going to be done so it's a great way for gyms just to get these um you know you bump your subscription and um and no load on your facilities so i think there so the marketers in the world um know that this is our tendency to to make these to make these resolutions and then not not actually have the capacity to carry through with them and so i guess when you when you um hear that our focus is for the next couple of weeks on this question of how can i build a secret place with god or how to build a secret place with god you may be thinking, oh, this is, this is the church talk at the beginning of the year where they tell me that I really need to sharpen up my relationship with God. And it's kind of like a New Year's resolution. And then we do this series and then, and then but I'll, I'll have forgotten about it. They'll have forgotten about it. I can just get back to normal. That's right, right? That's, they do this talk at the start of the year. They try to, you know, anyway, maybe you're thinking that. Um, and I, I think it would be easy to do that. And particularly if you've done if you've done a bunch of miles um, with Jesus, you may be in the I have heard all this before. Uh, we were at um, we were at puppy training this morning, so it's it's like puppy preschool. puppy preschool. How do you spend your Sunday mornings? Well, I used to go to church, but now I go to puppy preschool. But um, <laughs> puppy preschool is a bit awesome. Um, our dog, like our son, I guess, it doesn't doesn't like sitting for an hour and a half on a towel in the sun. So um, anyway, we did, we, did, we did learn some things and there was some socialization that happened. Um, but one of, the, one of the things I learned about was um, this idea of imprinting. Um, so the, the trainer was talking to us and saying, hey, this you know, week nine through to 13 for your puppy is very, very important. Um, a lot is imprinted in those weeks. If you get those weeks right, great. If not, well... <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> like, um, and she said, and actually, you know, it's, it's, th- there's that first year. So it's, it's those, it's those, those first, those, particularly those weeks and then the first year. And, and that kind of sets you up for life. Um, and that, that made me th- that I think, I think for a bunch of us, uh, well, for all of us, I think, I think there's, when you come to Jesus, there's actually um, a bit of a, an initial imprinting period. 
where you come in and what you get exposed to and your experience at, the, at those early at those early stages actually really um, informs how you think about a whole bunch of things. And so, again, if in this secret place talk, I, I just wanted to invite you just even at the front end rather than the back end of this, just to just to begin to do some thinking about what were your early experiences of of, of finding a secret place with God in terms of. What was it? What were some of the things that were influencing how you thought about that? Perhaps in a positive way, um, perhaps in a negative way. So yeah, that's just a it's just a, a thing to to think about because I think there's an there's if 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 you've had potentially a negative experience of that being imprinted as oh that's super boring or super inaccessible or I just that's for other people I can't do that like there's a, there'd be a whole bunch of things that perhaps you may have then that then you may still be carrying that imprinting. And I guess today I just want to say there's good news. Imprinting can change. Um, because I think I think that we're going to read a passage now, and I think that the people that Jesus was talking to um, in this passage were actually people that had had stuff imprinted on them that he was actually unimprinting in them. So we're just going to read that scripture now. We got it on the screen. I haven't shared screen. Oh, I haven't shared screen. I'm gonna I'm gonna share screen, friends, and it's gonna be amazing when it happens. Um, share screen. There you go. You like that? I like that. That's that's that's, that's not the um, that's not the text, but it is our little kind of hero shot. I found that. I thought that looks so nice. I you love the way the light comes through there and. How inviting that is. I wish my inner life looked more like that than that sparse, <laughs> stupid room that I made. Uh, okay, here's our text. And whenever you pray, so there's an assumption, um, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. And truly I tell you, they have received their reward. I think, I think that those were some of the people that had imprinted this, this body of people that Jesus was talking to. So these, these are the people, like the people he's talking to, obviously this is within the context of the Sermon on the Mount. They're kind of getting a little bit serious about, about following Jesus and he's kind of sitting them down and going, hey, this is the lay of the land. Like this is, um, this is what it looks like to live in this new thing called the kingdom of God. But they're not people who have come from a non-religious experience. Like no one living in that day and age would have been in a, like, in an atheist or something or some, some sort of secular environment. Like that's, they, they were growing up in Israel, right? Like they're surrounded by a religious culture. It's by a culture that, that is, it's just, it's actually, whether it's authentic or not, but it's brimming with religion, right? And it's br brimming with religious imagery. Um, and therefore it's brimming with religious how-tos, right? Because whether whether they, whether you like it or not, you're actually being, you you know, the culture around you is just in teaching you how to do this. It's it's been teaching them how to pray. And so the and the and the only and the only way of prayer that they've seen right is the one that is seen, 
And the way of prayer that is seen, Jesus is calling out particularly, not all prayer, I guess, that's public, but he's particularly going in this, like, it's, it's, these, it's this hypocritical way of prayer. Um, and I think if you look at the text, I'll, go, I'll just go back to the text. Um, you think, well, what, what makes it? What's, what's, the, what's, what's the cornerstone of what makes that hypocritical, right? And whenever you, pr- whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. One of the things that I know if, if we talk to people about um, spending time with God, developing a secret place with God, people often say, look, oh, it's just, I just don't want to do it. Like, if I'm honest, like I just, like I know I should, I know it's the right thing to do, but it's just, man, I just, it's just hard to get motivated, to be honest with you. Now, about the hypocrites, are they struggling with motivation? No, they're not struggling with, with motivation. Are they struggling to pray? No. They are, they are, and are they, are they struggling to pray for any, like people often say, oh yeah, I can do it, but I can't do it for very long. I just, I just lose attention. I just, I don't know. Are the, are the hypocrites struggling to pray for a long time? No, they're, they're actually known as people that pray long prayers. So the people that are motivated, regular and long praying, like these, I mean, these guys are awesome. <laughs> it's like, apparently, right? And they're leading other people. I mean, isn't that great? They're doing it publicly. They're not ashamed. I mean, isn't this all the stuff? Like, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Viva telling people about Jesus. I mean, these guys are doing all the stuff, right? These are amazing. I mean, these are real disciples, right? Um, and Jesus apparently, no. He calls them hypocrites. And what makes them hypocrites is not the fact that they want to pray. It's not the fact that they pray for on street corners. It's not the pra- fact that they pray long prayers. It's not the pra- fact that they're passionate about it. What makes them hypocrites is the source of their motivation. That's the key thing. And the, the key, obviously, to their motivation is obviously they're just their they're deep, deep worship of the attention and admiration of people. It's like all they want is just, just, just let me be adored. <laughs> Damn it. Just adore me. <laughs> love me like I love me. That's all I want. And um, and so if prayer is a, if prayer is a way to get that, then let's pray. And Jesus says, as you as you can see, he says, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that's a reward. Um, that is definitely a, a, a reward. Like the love of, the admiration of people is a reward. He's not saying it's not a reward. And he's saying, yep, they have received their reward. They get what they want. But Jesus says, I know that's how it's been imprinted in you. I know. I know that's all you've been, that's all you've seen. But here's a different way. Prayer in the kingdom of God doesn't look like that. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And uh, here's what that looks like. And then, he, and then he shows them the way of the kingdom. And he says, but whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door 
and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus invites us into a very different place. And the word, and you can see from that song that we sung, right, the word secret place comes from that song. Yeah, sorry, the, 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 it comes from those verses, sorry. Um, and that's what I had forgotten when God sort of stopped me in my tracks at Gloucester all those years ago. I had been, I was, at that time, I was working in a, I mean, I just, I'd been a missionary, talk about holy, right? And then I was working in a Christian organization that was, we had an enforced half hour of stillness before we started our work day. I mean, I, and I had structure after structure after practice after practice set up to make my quiet time or my time with God work. And God was wildly uninterested with all of it. There's a thing about border collies. Um, border collies are very sensitive to people, right? And they can read people. They're very smart dogs. And one of the things that disarmed me in the first week of us having our new border collie was that I would look at my little border collie outside and think, I'm tired. I don't want to play with you. And then I'd go outside with the toy, feeling obligated to play with him. And I'd say, let's play and put on a smile. And he just looked through me, not wag his tail, and just look sad. And I go, do it again. Yeah. I was like, I know you don't mean it. I'm not playing if you don't mean it. But wait, 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 wait. Isn't this whole dog thing, it's just about me feeling like I'm doing a good job for looking after you sort of thing? I don't know. It's a relationship. Got to mean it. So you may not have grown up in um, Israel, but you may have been imprinted in a church where you've been told, I, I just kind of have to do this thing. And it doesn't really matter if I don't mean it. But let's just, let's just guess that our Heavenly Father is more intelligent than a Border Collie. I was reading this reading this in um, John 15 today. Because, you know, Claire's going to talk about, like, it's going to get very practical. Claire's going to talk about the pragmatics of how to do this next week, and Sarah's going to talk about practical things, and then someone else is going to talk about it. It's going to be so practical. It's going to be, you're going to feel practical. I'm not doing practical, okay? I want you just to, I just want to, all I want you to hear is the heart of the Father for you right now. Here's, here's this, here's this, this is Jesus talking about, um, talking about, he's talking to his disciples before he leaves. You know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If it was not so, would I not have told you where I'm going, that, that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Hear that again. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Do you know that's God's heart for you? He's like, I mean, if you heard that from anyone else, you would be smitten. It's like, I'm going to come and get you because I want you with me. I'm going to come and get you because I want you with me. And that is, you could say that that is kind of the, the, the plaque over the entrance, although that would be a really bad looking secret place, but that's kind of the plaque over the entrance to the secret place. I'm going to come and get you because I want you with me. That is the heart of God for you. And I know when you can contemplate like the secret place and you can have all the imprinting and all the negativity and stuff, but just hear this, that the Father loves you and he wants you more than you understand. Just wants to meet with you. And that's what we love about that song. He's like, it's not a formula thing. <laughs> just put your trust in Jesus and you and God can work this thing out. But often it can feel like you're picking up a phone and making a call that you know no one's going to pick up. It's like you're getting the answering machine at best or it'll just drop out. And that can be your past experience, but that's not true. The truth of it is what Jesus says there. He's like, I want you. I'm going to come and get you. He's way more invested in you meeting with him than you are meeting with him. And he knows that. But just, just feel the passion on the other end of the call. Can you do that? And that was kind of what, that was kind of, I guess, just to wrap it up somehow, um, that, that was kind of, kind of what, I, what I felt when God kind of uh, just intervened with that picture at Gloucester all those years ago. I was like, oh, whoa. Okay, this is not a one-sided thing, is it? You're actually after me. You want this more than I want it. And when you understand that God is pursuing your heart, uh, then suddenly you find the resources to respond. Amen?